Good evening, Graham. Good evening, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good. I lost your picture there for a second, but oh. we're gonna we're gonna talk through it. Uh, hey, he's Dog Out West on Twitter. I am Dog underscore Stats. We are here with our midweek show. Uh, we're gonna look at some. We're not gonna dig real deep into a thirty-two point spread game against Vanderbilt, but we are gonna uh, look at some numbers for the secondary and uh and some stats and pff grades and also we're gonna have an interview with odds jam alex from odds jam who uh has a is a killer site that is we're partnering with um so if you want to get smarter and bet uh with positive ev bets check them out oddsjam.com and you're gonna hear from alex here in a little bit uh but for now uh anything going on in your world before we jump into some stuff graham no man not much let's just we can Get into it, bro. All right. Well, I'm going to, I just published a story on dogsports.com that sort of kind of talked about the secondary after Jalen Brooks and Josh Van had a night on Georgia. I think there was a little bit of concern about, hey, you know, maybe that's a weakness we should be paying attention to. But um, I've got targets and receptions, pass breakups, yards per catch, yards after catch, and the PFF grades for the SEC. And you can see that dogs are first in that PFF grade of 91.9. Super low targets, the lowest receptions, one of the lowest receptions in, in all of football. Um, and, uh, yeah, that 18.7 yards per catch, that's a little deceiving because that's just the guys, uh, just the secondary. So, yeah, some of those big plays are coming out. But it's, a, as you can see, just a, just a handful of receptions at 22 per and three games. So, yeah, that yards per, carry, the yards per catch is a little concerning. But when you break down to it, overall pat coverage grade by PFF of 91.9. And Graham, we kind of talked about this in our preseason that, uh, you know, that that front seven was going to be so elite and so strong that it was going to give a lot of, you know, it's not going to give a lot, a lot of opposing quarterbacks is to have a chance to wind up and throw it deep. And that's what we're seeing. You can see how few targets that our secondary is having to face. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, you know, I think we talked about this from the word go, right? Like when when I did my analysis for the Clemson game and there was people out there picking 38, 35 or 42, 38, it was just like, there's, there's no way, you know, Georgia's defensive line is too disruptive to really imagine anyone at this point that's, that's on the schedule, like sitting back there in the pocket and just picking that secondary apart all day. I think the other thing too, is that, you know, we've underrated the secondary, at least from a, a preseason prediction standpoint, like Latavius Brinney, you know, 85.4 cover grade so far. Uh, Amir Speed, I know, struggled a little bit the other night, but he's been very solid on the whole. Uh, Keely Ringo looks like he's really kind of moving into that, that DB2 role opposite of Kendrick. And then we still have yet to see Tyke Smith on the field. That guy was the the number one slot defender in the country last year. So Georgia is going to continue to play with some of those lineups and some of those rotations, but on the whole, I don't think you have anything to be worried about in the secondary if you're a Georgia fan. Yeah. I'm going to show some of these plays that uh, the, sec the South Carolina receivers had on us, but I'm also going to show some, a lot of really great plays. Um, yeah. You know, Anthony Tresh had a stat that, I, that Kelly Ringo is one of the few uh, DBs that have yet to give up a catch and pass coverage. You can see that they had zero, zero catches that little graph I just showed. So for his just three games into his playing career, he's showing that why he's a five-star. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, our top three uh, DBs and have 80 plus PFF grades. With the, uh, when I say top, the guys with the most snaps in Georgia secondary all have 80 plus uh, PFF grades, which is pretty great. Um, and when you get into some of these plays, you can see, yeah, it's easy to to kind of maybe over overestimate. And like you brought it up, we were not you and I were talking that some of those plays towards the end of the game were garbage time when the go- the game was well out of hand. Right. Yeah. A, they were garbage time. B, I think it's definitely worth remembering that you know we talked about it coming into the ball game last week. I, I kind of expected South Carolina might hit a couple deep shots on Georgia. Um, Josh Van's a very good receiver, first of all. I, you know, I think we should give him credit where credit's due. But second of all, the the kind of game plan that, that South Carolina has been running all season and especially that role action that we expected to see with Nolan, it's just it, – it's designed to draw guys in. And when you're seeing short passes and – tight little runs and, you know, stretch kind of runs to the outside where the corners and safeties are responsible for coming in and making tackles. It's, it's easy to, to let somebody get behind you. Uh, I think going forward, I'm sure they'll, they'll be coached up on that. And I'm sure they've talked about all that. Um, you know, Ringo is so fast that his recovery speed, like there's just not many guys out there that even if they do get a couple steps on them can keep that, that margin on him like he's gonna close unless it's a perfectly thrown ball speed i don't think is quite as quick maybe not quite the athlete that ringo is so he does need to do a better job with with some technique but i think playing against uab and the speed of those receivers probably lulled that secondary to sleep a little bit because they were out there facing guys that they really didn't have to run full speed on to stay in coverage and then you know, South Carolina is not great. They're not Spurrier era South Carolina right now, but they still have some dudes and they're still an SEC football team. And I think that this is why you you should be excited if you're a Georgia fan that you have some more challenging games coming up on the schedule because that's going to be the way these guys get better and get prepared for the Floridas and Alabamas and potential playoff teams of the world. A note on my my story that I published on Dog Sports earlier. Um, I had tr- filtered out like cornerbacks and defensive backs and used a, a grade that gave those players a seventy one point four. Uh, Brent Rollins from UGASports.com and, and and PFF College was kind enough to point out that's not really how you should be using those stats. So I've updated it since it's published, and you can see that the graph we had tonight showed Georgia with a ninety one point four coverage grade. That's the entire team. But, you know, also thinking about the entire team, and, you know, I saw that we saw that 18 points, whatever yards per catch. Um, you know, if you get, if you dig down a little deeper and look at every single pass from every position, Georgia's like 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, no, it's, they're, it's, I mean they're, like we've talked about it, they're elite and pre- performing at an elite level for sure. Well, right. I mean, like the, like Channing Tindall, what he's doing in coverage as a linebacker with legit 4 4 speed is extremely unique you know uh he's not a guy that it's it's not a mismatch when he's lined up on a tight end if anything it's it's a mismatch in georgia's favor so definitely what's happening not just in the secondary but with the linebackers and these edge guys like nolan smith and adam anderson when they drop into coverage or pick up a a back coming out of the backfield i mean there's nothing there's nothing to worry about with this defense right now is you know i mean like I get that 
we've watched them play some really good games the first couple of weeks. And so seeing a couple of long passes get hit last week was uh, showed some kind of regression, I guess, but it's really not regression. Like it's, it's normal stuff. I'm not worried about it. I don't think anybody really should be worried about it. If we see Vanderbilt, you know, hit six deep shots on Saturday or something, then we can start sounding the alarm bells. But I think that Georgia is fine. And those are kind of good things to happen because they keep, they give the coaching staff something to coach these guys up on and they keep these guys motivated to go out and do a better job next week. Yeah. And what we, you know, we talked about, you know, the secondary linebackers, but, you know, to, to your point, Georgia's, uh, and granted, and we're not giving as, as many snaps on on defense because they're so good and getting three and outs. But right. if you look at, you know, only 83 pass attempts and Georgia's getting 55 pressures and 10 hits on the quarterback with 16 sacks. Um, that's the if you I'm not sure how I ranked this by, but um, oh, I've ranked it by pressures and see Georgia's fourth in the in the league with with 55. But again, if you look at. I mean, Missouri's getting after quarterback there. Granted, those pressures are, you know, two guys get in there, you're counting both those pressures. It's obviously not 73 out of 80 dropbacks or, or into pressures and stuff. But but Georgia is, is like we talked about, you know, it's a lead up front and the secondary is is kind of – it's young and inexperienced, but it's getting every snap and every play, it seems to be getting better. So I'm not worried about the secondary at all. In fact, like you said, Tyke Smith's coming back, and that's a veteran and a, uh, a guy that's expected to lead back there and be a – sort of a captain in the secondary yeah 100 percent. all right so if we're going to pivot into uh, the uh sort of picks and betting uh we're about to have an interview here with alex from odds jam before i to roll into that is there any uh anything before we're, when we when we come back from that we're going to have our picks of the week i'm actually going to jump in here and get in on the action too so be prepared uh-oh so, dog oh, stats yeah. Rolling the dice, baby. I like it a lot. Uh, I'm excited to see some picks from you. So, yeah, no, I think, you know, this is a, a pre-taped interview, but uh, we talked to Alex earlier today. I talked to Alex earlier today. Really interesting guy, and just what they're doing at Odds Jam is very interesting. And you guys, if you're gambling on sports at all, not if you're a professional better, not if you're somebody that's betting 15 games a week. If you are betting on college football at all, you need to check out Oz Jam because you will find value. Would you rather bet Georgia this weekend at minus 34 and a half and, and you know, minus 110? Or would you rather bet them at minus 34 and a half and minus 118? You'd rather bet them at minus 110. So go on Oz Jam, figure out what books – have the best odds in your favor and go open up account with that book. If it's legal in your state of residence, of course, and go and make your money. So, all right, here we go. Here comes Alex and, and, and Graham talking uh, about odds, Jim. All right, guys, we have Alex from oddsjam.com here joining us on dog sports live. Uh, as many of you know, yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for joining us. So you guys have been uh, kind enough to, to partner with us and get out the word on the services that you're providing to sports bettors and, uh, you know, not just college football bettors, but any any sports gamblers at all out there. And we've been using your platform here on the show, tracking our own bets and really, really loving what you guys are doing. So tell the people a little bit about what Odds Jam is. 
Yeah, so I would say the core of Odds Jam is real-time odds from as many sports books as as possible. Uh, obviously, what makes sports betting really interesting is that these sports books have different odds, right? That's what makes mm-hmm. FanDuel unique and different from DraftKings is the fact that you go to FanDuel, you go to DraftKings, the odds are different. So as a sports better, you know, you need to be shopping lines. You need to be looking for the best possible odds for any bet you place. Why bet on Georgia minus a thousand if you can bet them minus 800, right? So right. I would say, um, you know, kind of that's the basic premise is the importance of having live data, live data from like sportsbook markets, because this is very different than the stock market in that, you know, all sportsbooks have different odds and kind of providing a platform for betters to do that with refresh feeds that are, you know, kind of comparable to Don Best and pretty close to real time. Trying to get people the best information so they can, you know, make more money. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we all want to do, right? We all want to do, right? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, you know, you guys have bet tracking ability. You also have the ability to to track the lines, which, I mean, I've, you know, I've opened some new accounts at different sports books just because of you guys and seeing, seeing value out there. Right. So, I mean, this is like a beautiful tool for, you know, I, I think the thing that like the rumor, not rumor, but like the notion that I want to dispel a little bit is that you have to be like a professional sports better or anything like that to use Oz Jam because anyone, even if you're just laying money on a few games a week, it seems like you can really find some extra value out there that that is definitely worth the time. One 100%. Like, you know, I previously, I, I worked in Pennsylvania. So sports betting came to Pennsylvania and like, 2018, late 2018. I was in New Jersey a bit before. Uh I worked on Wall Street, so I was very into like gambling period and trying to make money. Um, Right. Gambling, right? Like gambling in the stock market, gambling in sports betting, whatever. Um, So I would say like I never did it full time. I don't even think sports betting full time is is a legitimate or, or attractive profession. I don't think, I mean, like I talk, I, you know, we talk a little bit on Odd Jam just about like bookmaker limits and like, it, it, it's more meant as a side hustle that hopefully can be lucrative for you. But I absolutely don't think this is a professional thing. I don't think you need to be a pro to, to kind of find some value in sportsbook odds. I think it's something that, you know, just takes a little bit of time to learn. And from there, you can start making money and having more fun sports betting because, you know, you're making money. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys have some tools on there that go a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, you, you have the free tools like like the the bet tracker and and some of that stuff but you guys also have some premium tools like like some arbitrage kind of trackers and and looking at some of those opportunities so tell us a little bit about that as well yeah so i would say what makes odds jam a more interesting product than a lot of companies that have odds on their site aside from the fact that we have a very comprehensive array of markets and um you know, we have props, stuff like that, is is that we build functionality on top of the data, right? Like, I mean, you use DraftKings. Like, if you go to DraftKings, you're going to see a site with 50,000, you know, freaking odds every time you look at it. And these odds are constantly moving, right? This is – sports is like the stock market. Durant gets injured. The odds start to move. And, like, things right. can move quick, right? Things can move pretty quick. So – in sports betting, it's important to have real-time information, but you also need to like see the value in the data. So at Odd Jam, like 
you know, we're not trying to just be a ton of data, millions of odds that are on our site and just you sort through it and you find your betting opportunities. We try to highlight some value and we do that through the plus EV functionality. So like whatever, maybe, you know, next week the Colts are plus 200 everywhere and you can get plus 230 on Valley bet or whatever it's called that new book in Colorado. It's like, maybe there's some value on Colts plus 230 is the value comes in when you can sift through the data and the vast array of odds on these sports books and actually find some value. So that's what our premium features try to do from plus EV betting to middles to arbitrage is really just level the playing field. And it's not only people who can write their own, you know, whatever, you know, like data models or whatever, like can find good line discrepancies. It's kind of now anyone can. Right. Right. Totally, man. And I mean, like that used to be uh, something that was nearly impossible for just kind of the, the everyday person that's that's working a regular nine to five just because it takes a ton of time to shop those lines. And so having it there, I mean, I think one thing I would personally say is I, I see lines open and I want to jump on them early before they get sharp and they move and being able to go on odds jam and seeing which books have the the lines up early and, you know, where, where I can go ahead and get action on a, a Sunday or a Monday for the next college football Saturday is a huge advantage. And sometimes it's 100%. a, it, yeah. I mean, especially on over unders, I mean, sometimes it's a, it's as much as a five to seven point advantage. If, if I'm yeah, able to, yeah. to get mean, that in on, especially in college football. I mean, college football, you get some big line moves. And I mean, yeah. NFL you do too, but obviously NFL, there, there, there are less games, first of all, like college football. If you think of like, you know, I don't know, like some of these teams that you probably have, or at least I haven't heard of. Um, sure, sure. And, and like their QB gets injured, you'll see like total points markets move by like, you know, seven, 10 sometimes. And those are huge moves. And, um, you know, like you're not going to spot that unless you have data. Um, so that's that's really what at the core, like the power of Ajam is, is you kind of want to know when things are starting to move. And, um, you know, you can do your own research on why they're moving and determine if you want to place a bet or not. But as you mentioned, like there there are some pretty big discrepancies in college football for for sure. Yeah, I mean, Marshall and Appalachian State play tomorrow, Thursday night. Kind of, kind of a trash game, right? But I'm a college football junkie, so I'll I'll watch trash games. But uh, yeah, that that over under opened at 55 and a half, and I bet it there. And now it's 60 and a half. So um, that worked out. I mean, yeah. yeah, that worked out well, right? So I think those are the types of things that anybody can really use. Uh, before I let you go, you mentioned middles, and uh, you know. For people that are unfamiliar with that term, explain it because it's it's kind of like a really yeah. interesting thing. Yeah, I would say like when people get their feet wet in gambling, right? If some people have bet on sports since they can remember, played poker or whatever, like gambled in some fashion. Um, I would say middles are very interesting because if you're betting like over 45 points under, you know, 48 points, you have this rare window of opportunity where if the game goes over 45, but under 48, you can win both bets. So you're kind of like hedging your bet, right? It's kind of like taking the Texans point spread, but taking the Packers money line or like whatever. Like I think yesterday the Lions were 11.5 point dogs. So maybe you want to bet the line spread, but the Packers money line, you're essentially middling where the game's going to end. And, right. um, 
it's a less lower risk strategy than maybe outright betting. But obviously you still have the exposure to the game where it's not direct arbitrage, where you're making risk-free money and you still get to enjoy watching the game, right? Yeah, totally, 100%. And I mean, especially um, with with live odds as well, there's a lot of middle opportunities in game sometimes. Yeah. Um, we just added live odds to actually. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's that's huge. That's a big, yeah, big, big really opportunity. Cool. Nice. It's really cool. So, well, yeah, it, anything else you want to tell us about the site before we we let you no, get back to it? Not not at all. I I, I appreciate you you having me and um, yeah. you know any any questions about Ozjam, people can ask you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, tell you guys can find Alex. Uh, at odds jam on twitter and obviously oddsjam.com is the website and if you are betting any amount of money at all on sports you need to be looking at odds jam regularly and looking at some of their premium features and subscribing because the return on that investment for the subscription will be substantial so thanks for coming on alex and thanks for what you guys do yep i'll see you all right, there it is, man. Good interview, dude. I learned a lot. I mean, you know why I'm doing this. I like the numbers and, you know, the kind of betting and, and the way he's approaching those and what he's providing on the website is just right up my alley. So I know that you're totally into that site and uh, I am super impressed with the tools and and the ass and what you can glean off of just uh, joining up and maybe clicking and seeing what they can do for your, uh, you know, your weekend sports betting. Yeah, man, 100%. I mean... You know, we're about to get into some picks here, but before I kind of, you know, entered my final picks onto the sheet for the show, uh, I was definitely on there shopping lines, looking for an edge. There were some games where, you know, I mean, there's a lot of books out there that will let you bet alternate spreads. And so if you feel comfortable, like, you know, I, I feel very strongly about LSU and Mississippi State this weekend. So I bumped that spread to LSU at minus four and a half, and I'm getting plus 144 return on my money there. So, like, there's some of these games out there that, depending on what you what your read of things is, you can go out there and find an edge. Um, Baylor, I, I bumped up to plus seven and a half versus Iowa State, and – knock that down to minus 118 but to to get that that half point over a touchdown i think is great value to to give up minus 118 instead of minus 110 so there's a lot you can do with odds jam to to really tailor your bets where you want them to be and you know that's that's the beauty of it all right well there, let's start it off so you just told us you took baylor plus six and a half is that right <laughs> Plus seven and a half. Plus seven. Have you bought it up? Okay. Well, I've got yeah. you at plus six, seven and a half. So um, I, I like that bet a lot. Um, you know, it's a pretty competitive from a team uh, composite standing. And, and uh, the net yards per play uh, favors uh, Baylor, which is one of my favorite stats. I think Iowa State, um, I think a lot of people favoring them are looking at their priors from last year. And I just don't think they're as playing quite as good as they did last year. I agree. Uh, I think Baylor you know, this game opened uh, more like three and a half or four and a half. And people, you know, obviously have heard a lot of Iowa State hype in the offseason. So that 
that line got bet up pretty quick and I'm going against the public on it because I'm with you. I think the, the metrics kind of favor the bears on this one. And like you said, there's not a big talent discrepancy. LSU Mississippi state. I know you're going to hate this pick. I don't hate it at all. <laughs> That's a lot really? of talent. No, I don't. I mean, I think my, my numbers have probably have me taken Mississippi state. But uh, I, I think LSU is going to have two or three games where they play to their to their comp, their how how well they can play, and this might be one of those games. Yeah, I think looking and you, back, and you, and you bet it down. That's I like it. I mean, I mean, the difference between three is, I mean, that, that three is a key number. But if you're if you believe strongly in it and you want to take it down and for more value, like you said, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, totally, man. I, like, you know, that's that's more like money line value that I'm getting, and I'm only giving up an extra point and a half. So I I like it. I think LSU, that game against Mississippi State has been kind of a joke for the last year. Everyone talking about how crazy they were to try and defend Mississippi State and man-to-man. So I th- I'm sure we'll see them in the traditional type of zone defense that – you see teams play against the air raid that have success against air raid offenses. I just think there's enough talent on that LSU team to, to make a few more plays and Mississippi state coming off that Memphis loss. I'm sure they will be motivated. They're at home, but it is a 11 AM central time game. So I like that for LSU not having to play at night in Starkville. Feel good about it. Uh, I'm going to go to one of my picks that I know that you and I both agree on. And that is, did you take Michigan state or is that just me? Uh, I, I didn't go with Michigan state this week. Last week I did, but I, okay. All right. Well, this is one of my picks. I've got Michigan state minus four. Um, it is at home. Uh, Nebraska is uh, talent composite wise, let an inferior team, Michigan state's putting up 7.8, 7.8 yards per play on offense and a 53% success rate. And that defense for Nebraska uh, is pretty suspect, giving up five yards per play. Um, I, I've got this as, I mean, if I were one of these talking head types, oh, I guess I am a talking head. Lock of the week. <laughs> really? <laughs> Stone cold? Josh Lock. Honestly, to be 100% truthful with you, um, I I was planning on picking this game and, you know, Michigan State was obviously very good to me last week. They covered against Miami, so, you know, by, by a wide margin. I just feel like this Nebraska team is better than we thought. You know, I think that holding Oklahoma to as many points as they did last week, I was pretty impressed with. They do continue to shoot themselves on the in the foot on offense and do stupid stuff like giving up a blocked extra point for a safety. So – you're probably on the right side here, but I just feel like, you know, Nebraska's playing hard and they're playing pretty good. And at some point, maybe one of these is going to fall in their favor and I don't want to be on the wrong side of it. Yeah. I think that that success rate of 44% is pretty pedestrian. And I think, uh, I think Michigan state at home is going to have, have a continue to play well on offense. Okay. This is a game I was trying to queue up because I know we're on the same side. It is no, I screwed that up. Hang on. Stay with me. Do that, and let's do this. It's going to do the UK-Kentucky game. Uh, Kentucky at South Carolina. This is another one I feel pretty strongly about. Um, Kentucky's on the road, only favored by five and a half, but Kentucky is, you know, my little metrics and adjusted yards per play is one of the top ten teams in the country. 
they have, a, like we've said a few times, that offense is different than we've seen in the past. And I really, I mean, their their gross net yards per play is 3.2, and South Carolina is just not good enough on offense and not good enough on defense to to keep up with this offense. Yeah, I agree. I think Kentucky probably, even though that passing game has matured and they look more explosive, I still think the strength of that team is the offensive line and, you know, what they do with Chris Rodriguez at running back. I've been impressed with since last year. I think he was probably one of the most underrated players in the conference last year. And, you know, I I do think that South Carolina has some talent up front, especially on the edge, and we talked about that last week with uh, Jordan Birch, but – I just think that Kentucky will kind of pound them out, wear them down. And I think that I I just don't see, you know, we know that Josh Van exists, obviously. But um, if anything, I feel like it it hurts South Carolina, some of that stuff they put on tape against Georgia last week, because Kentucky will probably be ready for him in the secondary. And I, you know, I feel like this is kind of one of those rivalry games that I know it's on the road and they're playing at South Carolina, but I, I think Kentucky is just substantially better than South Carolina. I think yeah. they're, you know, a much better football team. Yeah, I mean, you look at that talent composite. I mean, actually, South Carolina has them a little bit. But when you're talking about a quarterback issues that they're having in South Carolina, I just think that that, that negates pretty much everything talent-wise you've got. And that can off, you, Kentucky offensive line is one of the best in the league, for sure, if not one in the country. Uh, Michigan, Rutgers. Uh, this is what yeah. I missed when you showed me your picks. I was like, ah, yeah, that's one I liked a lot too. Yeah. Michigan going out, you know, playing Buckers at home. I think, <laughs> you know, minus 19 is not a lot. Rutgers has had a good start to the season, right? Like they, they have, but, uh, you know, looking at the net yard per play discrepancy there, it's pretty substantial in, in Michigan's favor. It's one of the biggest, actually, of the entire week. I bet against Michigan last week with Northern Illinois because I thought Northern Illinois could score with them, and I thought that Northern Illinois' defense was, like, just good enough to hang in there. And they got beat by, you know, nearly 60 points. So I think that Jim Harbaugh actually kind of has his shit together this year, man. And I I just – I feel like we we shouldn't – question it I, i've avoided betting on michigan for a couple of years now but uh yeah i i think that that Rutgers is going to struggle to score points and i think michigan's offense is probably better than anyone really realizes yet i agree um i've got unc minus 12 i don't know if that line's still out there this is what i got it at early i got uh, it at 12 you got I'm it at 12 in, i'm in, i'm on the same boat with you on that one you know everyone was kind of like making fun of Carolina after they lost uh, the first game of the season at, and uh, at Virginia tech, but they are putting up big numbers there. And that, that offense is going to start clicking and they've replaced a lot, but every game they're going to get better. And their offense is quite, quite frankly, one of the better ones in the country, if not one elite enough with some defense that could compete in the ACC for a title um, 8.2 yards per play on an offense at a f- over 50% success rate. Georgia tech's having a really good defensive start to the year. They obviously held Clemson down, but I just think that uh, Carolina is going to kind of roll this game. And yeah. uh, I just think they're too good at 12. And like you say, 12, 12 is an easy cover with two touchdowns and 
And uh, I just don't see Georgia Tech even having a chance to backdoor cover with a with a only a forty percent success rate on offense. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Sam Howell last week was fourteen for twenty one, three hundred seven yards, five touchdowns, and a pick. But Josh Downs is a, a freshman wide receiver for them, and he really wasn't on the field much in that Virginia Tech game. And him and Howell look really good together right now. He had eight catches for 203 yards, two touchdowns last week, averaged 25 yards a catch. So I I like that combination. I feel like the – you know, we talk all the time about returning wide receiver production, especially in the early season, and we saw that bite Carolina, I think, and especially that with some poor O-line play, I think cost them that Virginia Tech game. But you're seeing those skill players find a groove. You're seeing Howell find a groove. I also think that Georgia Tech – like, man, that game last week for them was one of those kind of where it felt like, if not now, like, when is this ever going to happen? Um, and it was a it was a long day. I mean, they had the lightning delay. They were in the stadium for hours and hours and hours. So I feel like they'll probably be a little bit hungover from that. And regardless, even if they weren't, UNC is just that much better. All right. You're taking Syracuse in the money line uh, with everyone's darling – uh liberty uh i I am do you like it i like this pick a lot syracuse keeps showing up in my little net adjusted yards per play metric um you know giving up a stout 3.6 yards per play allowed on defense and a sub 40 success rate and a negative epa um and this my little net adjusted yards per play shows this is a uh, 0.8 favor in syracuse so getting points and it's at on the at home, home dog. Uh, I like this pick a lot. I love home dogs. Yeah, um, you know Syracuse. They put up sixty two last week against an FCS school. Uh, they only did. They only put up seven on on Rutgers. That scares me a little bit, but I think that Rutgers defense is probably better than what Liberty fields in in their level of football. Um, yeah, man. I I, I think that. Syracuse is probably a little bit slept on right now and they've had some bad turnover luck that I'm hoping they'll, they'll kind of turn around. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I feel really strongly about the plus six, but I am sprinkling a little bit on the money line there. Cause I think there's upset potential. Uh, you've got another money line coming up, Arkansas. You're just continuing your hate on Texas A&M. <laughs> I don't hate Texas A&M. I, I mean, we just got some good, we, we got some good dudes in the comments. So I just it's we do yeah. yeah. Shout out to the Texas A&M fans that are still angry. I didn't think <laughs> Zach Calzada should be a preseason All American. Um, I I just I think that Arkansas is good enough on the line of scrimmage to go toe to toe with Texas A&M. Texas A&M has had O line problems so far this year. You saw Colorado hold them to 10 points before giving up 31 or 34 to Minnesota last week. I know that, you know, they had to scrap their plan in the middle of that game and bring in a backup quarterback because Haynes King got hurt. But I'm just not that impressed by the fact that Texas A&M blew out New Mexico last week. I don't think that tells me anything. And I think that Arkansas, you know, is a more known commodity at this point than Texas A&M after what they did to Texas. So, I like Arkansas to go in there and play that that tough line of scrimmage football, get out of there with a win, and set up a really big game in Athens next week. Yeah, both of these defenses are playing really well. Um, and uh, my little metric has it over uh, Arkansas favorites, so I like this pick. 
and and money lines bold, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. Well, I, again, I mean, the majority of my dollars are going to be on the the points, but I am sprinkling a little on the money line because I, I feel like this is the type of game that maybe you know I feel like whoever wins it is probably going to win it by like seven to ten. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, why. Uh, uh, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a low scoring affair. Uh, that under that under forty seven is kind of a little. It's right on the edge of where I think that could be, but um, I do think it's gonna be fairly uh, close defensive battle. Uh, I jumped on Purdue minus eleven. I, I don't think Illinois is any good. Um, I think they had a great start to the year in week zero, but since then they've been pretty bad. Uh, Purdue had a kind of a they were hanging with Notre Dame they just couldn't get over the edge and uh, get over the top there at the end and I like this play a lot um you know looking at the net yards per play for Illinois at my negative 1.6 and I think Purdue can just kind of grind this game down and, and get it out with a with a two touchdown victory yeah I almost bet Illinois on this one truthfully uh David Bell for Purdue is hurt out and he's their best best kind of playmaking threat at wide receiver. You know, Illinois has kind of been hard luck. I mean, they beat Nebraska with a backup quarterback, and Nebraska's not maybe as bad as we thought, but week one is week one. And then now you've got those guys. They should have beat Maryland last week, and I think Maryland's actually pretty good. I mean, I, I, you know, baby Tua, uh, Talia, the the youngest Tungavailoa child, is like, playing very, very good for them at quarterback right now. So I don't like this pick, to be honest with you. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We, we will see. I like Maryland, the sleeper. They got a tough schedule coming up. They were, we talked about them in the preseason win total five and a half. They're at three. They got Kent State this week. So uh, they got to squeak out two more wins to cover that one. So we're going on. Three, right? Yeah. No, I All just right. meant, you know, keep going, Maryland. Keep uh, keep going. All right. normally i'm the one speeding this up all right no you're good uh let me see do we have boise state uh utah state at boise uh you like utah state in the points i do and i like the over in this game as well um oh high scoring game yeah over of 63 uh blake anderson is our boy hashtag wear pink for wendy from his time at arkansas state so always a fan of theirs but i just think he's a g5 coach that understands how g5 works how to you know really just what is necessary at that level as a coach and a player manager and developer and program developer i think he's done a good job out there utah state you know was awful last year with gary anderson it's a good job they've had some some good teams with jordan love in the past I just I think that Boise is uh, you know we're seeing them hit the skids a little bit. I really it wouldn't shock me entirely to see Utah State like you know come very close to winning this game to see this be like a last second field goal one way or the other or something like that. All right, our last pick of the night is I've got Kansas State uh, plus the points at Oklahoma State. I watched that Boise State Oklahoma State game wasn't really impressive on offense. Uh, and Kansas State was actually getting points at home versus Nevada, and it went, they went up to an early lead and held on and won and covered. Um, as you can see, my net yards per play raw is got Kansas State at 1.8, and Oklahoma State has not really clicked it together too much on the offensive side of the ball. So I like, uh, I like, this, yeah, I like this, I like Kansas State in this game. 
I like it. I'm a fan. Yeah. The other the other pick I have is obviously Georgia minus. Oh, I didn't even put that in there. My bad. No, you're good. Um, yeah, that's another one that I decided to to lay a little more uh, to basically give up a point for some extra some extra juice there. So I got that minus thirty five and a half at plus one hundred five. I just think that Georgia can basically name their score on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I like Georgia to cover too. Uh, it's a lot of points, uh, but I think. I wonder if it's really bad. Yeah, Vandy's 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 not good. And I wonder if there's going to be any any hangover or any paybacks from kind of some of those guys not getting senior day next year. If there's any of that sort of rallying point, I think that Georgia will come out kind of pissed off and prepared. And I think this is the type of game where JT Daniels might only play for a half. Um, I think this we may actually finally get to see Carson Beck. Uh, or I'm sorry, Brock Vandegrift throw a football. Uh, I think it's possible it, it gets that deep on Saturday. But because of what you mentioned and Vandy skirting COVID last year to kind of avoid having to play that game, uh, I do think this, you know, Kirby's never been one to run up the score in his time in Athens. But uh, I think this may be one where just we don't see. Hand. Yeah, I think it gets out of hand. And I just, you know, I think he – I don't think he's going to run any like double reverse pass up 40 in the fourth quarter or anything like that. But like, I, I think we may see him keep the offense running a little more open than usual uh, and, and try and get some reps for some of these younger guys. The reality man is like at this day and age of college football with the transfer rule being done, you've got to let these guys play when they have a chance to play. These kids are all four and five stars. They, they want to play, and when they get in the game, you got to let them, you know, run something resembling your normal offense. And A, give them an opportunity to show what they can do, but B, just keep them entertained and happy and feeling good and, you know, having something to, to be excited about. So I, I think that Saturday we finally see Kendall Milton score his first touchdown as a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, he is yet to have a touchdown which is kind of odd when you think about the contributions he's had over the last year plus, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, just really to see how bad Georgia beats them. I mean, looking at A&M or I'm sorry, not A&M Vanderbilt, like dude, Ken Seals is still there as their quarterback. Uh, You know, his passing grade on PFF is a 42 like JT's is like an 89 right now for reference. Uh, When he is under pressure, that drops to a 27.8 and he is going to be under pressure a lot. So, so far on the year, he's got three touchdowns, three interceptions. I think he throws probably at least another two on Saturday. Um, There's just nothing that Vanderbilt can do in this game offensively to score points. And, I don't know how they will on defense watching back that Stanford game a little bit. They do load the box up. They, you know, will bring eight or nine guys up to the line of scrimmage. I don't know if they just did that because they were playing Stanford or if that's something that we'll see some of on Saturday, like everyone that's played Georgia so far, my guess is they will try to stop Georgia from just running all over them and, 
I don't know if they'll be able to or not, but I can tell you if they bring eight guys up to the box, then you can expect Bowers and Mitchell and Burton and maybe Darnell Washington is back. Maybe we see him get, get some reps and get right. Uh, maybe we see Tyke Smith get into the game and get healthy before Arkansas comes to town. So I expect this to be a fun day for Georgia. I expect this game to be over at halftime. Um, I think, though, that you'll see some more expo- explosive plays from the Bulldogs. And I also think that this is going to be the week that we see some changes on the starting offensive line. And I'm not sure exactly how that's going to shake out. I've heard whispers of uh, Willick, Devin Willick, maybe coming in and getting the spot at guard uh, from some of Kirby's press conference quotes this week. It sounds like he's not super keen maybe on, you know, he feels like that Jamari has been playing better at tackle than he has been at guard in practice. So I don't know if we'll see Broderick slide into that left tackle spot and Sawyer move over, or if we'll see Sawyer stay there and some other guys kind of slide in to the guard positions, but yeah, Georgia big. Oh, last thing I'll say, Vanderbilt um, on the year so far, the only place they've really had rushing success is off the right edge on the right edge. They're 17 carries for 170 yards, 6.3 yards an attempt off of right tackle. They're 16 carries, 117 yards, seven yards for an attempt everywhere else. It's 3.9 yards per an attempt or less. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, that right edge is usually where Trevon Walker and Jalen Carter and Adam Anderson kind of hang out. So the murder good luck. Yeah, good luck to the, the Vanderbilt Commodores on on that plan, if that is their plan. But yeah, I mean, we talked about this. We talked about whether or not we should do film study for Vanderbilt. Look guys we're there's just nothing there to really analyze um arkansas game next week we'll we'll have plenty of tape plenty of analysis but just enjoy a big ass georgia win on saturday it'll be stress-free you know it'll be over early it's a noon game you can hang out enjoy the rest of the day's games maybe get a little action a little little sports wagering happening and have a nice time with the family or friends or wherever it is you like to watch Georgia football. Absolutely. With that, go dogs. Thank you to Alex from Odds Jam and OddsJam.com. Follow him on Twitter. Follow Graham Coffee at Dog Out West. I am Dog underscore Stats on the Twitter. We're both on DogSports.com. Yeah, FTMF stuff's in stock on the website. I've got Chris Smith commemorative uh, Georgia Clemson stickers bumper stickers two nine yeah exactly so uh check it out dogstats.com and uh i've I've been shipping hats and stickers this week so we appreciate all tmf industries ftmf industries all right with that go dogs and uh enjoy the game and we'll we'll see you this weekend prestige worldwide wide wide wide